Hello and welcome to Namaste with Renee. I am your host, Renee Marcoux, CEO of the iHeart Academy and president of the nonprofit Brady's Foundation. In this podcast, we talk about how to enhance your wellness and disrupt the limitation mindset so you can thrive with a healthy mind, body, and spirit. Hello and welcome to Namaste with Renee. I'm your host, Renee Marcoux. So excited to be here with you today and share on this topic near and dear to my heart. My guest, who is super amazing, I'm going to introduce you to her in just a moment. We're going to be talking about narcissistic abuse in relationships and how to deal with it and find solutions. So this is a subject you don't want to miss. My amazing guest here, Sarah K. Ramsey, is a professional problem solver and relationship expert, and she helps people to create sound strategies for next level success in their business and their life. And she's always talking about making decisions. We have over 35,000 a day, yet decision making and problem solving is not a skill that we're often taught. So through solution-based thinking, which we will tap on today, Sarah will bring life-changing clarity to the process of effective decision-making. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Renee. Happy to be here and happy to connect both of my worlds. As you know, I've been in the toxic relationship space for five years or so. I have a best-selling book in the toxic relationship space called Toxic Person Proof, my own podcast, Toxic Person Proof. And within this world, we were like, just like we were discussing, you know, before we started, it's like, wow, here are toxic people. They are bad. They don't change. They ruin your life, you know? And I, I just kind of went, wow, there's so many people talking about who they are and what they do wrong and the damage they cause. And there are so few people talking about solutions, how to make a decision when a toxic person has clouded it, how to solve a problem when a toxic person professionally or personally is trying to block you. And that's really where the both and conversation happened for me, you know, and becoming the professional problem problem solver, which it's so funny because my clients are like, I said, yeah, I'm doing all this other stuff, not just the toxic person proof. And they're like, Sarah, you've been doing that for five years. So what are you talking about right now? You're not doing anything new. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. You know, Um, but if any of your listeners have ever dealt with a toxic parent, coworker, partner, it's like, is there, is there anybody that can help me? You know, and as, as interesting as information is on narcissism, I really do want people to have solutions, have things they they can do something about, have, okay, first it looked like this, then I did something and it looked like this after. And that's where we really take back our power and make great decisions after a toxic person. Yes. And I would love to dive into that with you today. Um, I know that you said you have a best-selling book and I, would you show us um, in our photogenic memory and personally purchase it toxic perfect proofs proof you can recognize a huge red flag popping out of the book um oh my gosh I'm totally purchasing that book that looks amazing thank you Yes, of course. So you brought up such amazing topics already that I really do want to dive into. Um, For anybody who's out and the listeners here who aren't really sure about what a narcissistic toxic relationship looks like, 
what are some of the signs? So toxic people are experts in two things. One, image management. Okay. They always want to look good. They always don't want to, you know, they, they want to, I saw a meme recently and it had a truck that had ran into a tree and it said, the narcissist said, it's the tree's fault. Right. <laughs> the chills, that's like literally spot on. Wow. I thought it was such an example. So great yeah. example. So image management and blame shifting. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's always your fault. They, they're experts at the flip. Okay, Um, which many people may be familiar with the term gaslighting, which is uh, a little bit ambiguous and confusing sometimes. Uh, So when you think about the flip, right, like you come to them with a problem and within two seconds, they flipped it on you and all of a sudden you're the problem. Yes. Well, if you hadn't talked that way to me, I wouldn't have had to get angry. If you hadn't um, been late today, then I wouldn't have had to make you look bad in front of the boss or whatever situation it is. And uh, it instantly becomes, they're the good guy and you're always the bad guy. So you feel like you're walking on eggshells. You feel like you're not playing by the same set of rules. Right. It's always their turn, their needs, their wants, their desires, their moods, their image, their ego is always more important than yours. Um, And it really leaves people with in such a state of confusion, which is why I'm so passionate about the decision-making and problem-solving process. Because if you've dealt with a toxic person for an extended period of time, you're probably confused. Right. You probably feel like you're not great at making decisions. And you feel like there's all these problems that don't have solutions. And the toxic person has left you with a sense of learned helplessness. Mm, yes, that really which is super disempowering, right? And this is like a, a namaste crowd, right? Like yeah. I heart yoga so hard. I mean, so hard. Like I, there's a Krista Tippett quote that said, um, more than anything, yoga has saved my life. And I, I want to echo that and talk about how much yoga has saved my life. And, um, you know, but there's this process. I would see this huge gap in people's healing strategy from healing from a toxic relationship. And they would, they would want to exercise, which is amazing. They would try to dissect their past, which could be really helpful. They would study narcissism, which is also helpful, but there was this gap in like problem solving and decision-making and like kind of learning how to take action to solve the problems of your life. It, It was, it was just completely missing from, from a lot of people's healing strategies. And so they would get another toxic relationship or end up in another toxic situation. And it just broke my heart, right? It's just, it's just heartbreaking. Um, and I love affirmations. Like I, I, I love affirmations, right? I love all these things, but we just want to get super crystal clear on what the purpose of certain solutions are. Mm. Yoga, for example, there is nothing on the planet better for nourishing your nervous system than yoga, which is amazing after a toxic relationship, right? That's a different strategy than if my boss is toxic, how do I need to word things in the email to protect myself? Do you see those are drastically different strategies? And just what I kept seeing, like the missing link for people. It was just like, there was like, they would think it was all kind of one thing. And I would say, what's your healing strategy? And they would say, 
walks in the park or, you know, taking time for myself or being more present. And I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. How are you going to become toxic person proof? Like, how are you going to protect yourself from toxic people? And it's like, and they kind of look at me with this scared blank look on their faces, as I'm sure I have had at times in my life. And just really wanted to introduce this concept of what problem are you trying to solve? Getting super clear, yeah. you know, because there's a different strategy needed for nourishing your nervous system and how to respond to toxic people in high complex situations. It's yeah. just different strategies. For sure. Yes. Do you feel like there is a certain, I know with your clients, you probably teach so many different responses and how to, you know, get through to somebody like you were saying, you know, if this person has to be in your life or say you're co-parenting with them or they're a family member and they're not really going anywhere, like how to, because you had mentioned before, like you learn that, um, uh, I forget the exact term that you said, but it was like, being in a narcissistic abusive relationship, you have that learned, like it felt helpless. like helpless. Learned. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. Exactly. So for somebody who's there and the person's not going anywhere, um, you know, in relationship in career wise or personal life, what is one tool that you've seen a lot of your clients really empower themselves with? And I'm like, giddy like I, when I think about like being present in my own body it's like the joy like yes. like huge joy it's like okay everybody listen everybody listen okay so because it is <laughs> I, I am very good and I've watched women get what they want okay and there's a method called around the house okay so I want you to imagine me and you were hanging out and we're supposed to have a party in the backyard mm-hmm. okay to Tennessee or I'm coming to Florida, right? And there's a party in the backyard. So typically I've talked to people in Austria about this in Germany and everywhere else. Okay. When the social norm is you go to the front door and knock. Yes. Okay. So you get out of your car, Renee, you go to the front door, you knock and your toxic person is on the other side of the door. Okay. Well, they're not going to open the door, are they? Right. (laughs) They're going to say, you're so stupid. No one wants you here. Or what kind of crazy person thinks there's a party here? There's no party here. Or shouldn't you just check the invitation? Because I heard you weren't invited to the party because no one likes you. Or you were only invited to the party because I'm so cool. You're actually so lame. No one wants you here. Mm. Okay. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. And at that point, if if I came on that front porch with you and I said, what problem are you trying to solve? You would say, I'm trying to get my toxic person to open the door. But if I had asked you when you were getting out of the car driving there, you would have said, I'm trying to get to the party in the backyard. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the toxic people flip everything and they stir up our emotions in a way that they become our focus. Mm. Yes, yes. I mean, reality, we weren't going to the party. We didn't drive there to get them to open the door. And when, you know, we could have affirmations about like, oh, you know, there's beauty in closed doors. We could paint a mural on the front door to make ourselves feel better about it. We could Google 15 articles on why narcissists don't open doors, you know, and I, that's what I see a lot of people's healing strategies are in that process. Yeah. And they are doing what they know to do, right? They're not being lazy about it. They're trying. But I want to 
this is the piece I want to bring into the conversation. The goal wasn't to get them to open the front door. Yes. The goal was to get to the backyard. Yeah. So I teach people something called around the house. Mm. Okay. So don't try to get them to open the front door. Walk around the house. Mm. Yes. Now, should they open the door? Yes. And that's where the conversation gets tricky, right? It's like, but it's not fair. They should open the door. And I say, yes, they should. I agree with you completely. And yet let's not talk about what's fair. Let's talk about what works. Mm, mm, yeah. Because my goal is to get you what you want. My goal is to get you to the backyard party. Yes. And you can do, you can have anything in the whole world you want other than getting the toxic person to behave. Mm, yes. Yes. Anything. You could fly in by helicopter. You could get a trampoline and jump over the fence. You could run your car through the fence and, and end up at the party. You could knock on the door and they hoist you over. You could hire cheerleaders to have a pyramid and throw you yes. over. There's so many creative solutions for getting to the backyard Yeah, that are much more effective than getting the toxic person to open the door. Right. If you remain clear, if you don't let all that emotional storm prop up right because it's hard because it's not fair and they right. should open the front door and you shouldn't have to go through the effort of getting the cheerleading team to yes you know throw you over the fence like it's not fair right right but it does work and it, it works a whole lot better than crying on the front porch screaming on the front porch trying yeah. to knock the front door down yeah. um and in real life what this looks like i had a client and she was so mad because her ex-husband um, had promised to pay her a hundred dollars for a basketball goal for her child. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh, he won't, I, you know, how am I supposed to get this money from him? He promised that he would pay a hundred dollars and he's not. And I sent this email and I said, this email, and I might call my lawyer and this, it's not fair. He's not paying me the hundred dollars back. And I said, you are correct. It is not fair. Right. Okay. But let's look at the problem you're trying to solve. Is the problem you're trying to solve get $100 back or get your ex to give you $100 back mm. and to follow through on his promise? Mm. And she stepped back and she went, hmm. And I said, aren't you in sales? She said, yes. I said, if you had all the effort and energy that you had put into fighting with him this week, if you had put that into prospecting, how much money would you have made this week? And she said several thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I get that we should stand up for ourselves. I get we shouldn't let people walk all over us. I get all those things. I believe those things. But you tell me, was the toxic person winning by getting her to engage in this? If yeah, she had just let it go and let him have this one and made several thousand dollars instead of fighting with him over a hundred, you tell me how to win. Like you, t you know, let, let's take another look at it. Um, it's that's not fair. A, right. And that's where I feel like the toxic person, like you said, they end up winning, right? If you do engage with the front door and they're reminding you of all these, you know, bleep word things about you that are not 
that are not empowering you, making you feel good, or they're like, see, everybody back here hates you because they know the story that just took place that you just did to me, right? That whole flipping situation. And then you end up being like, oh my gosh, all of this wasted energy. And here I am again, deflated. Here I am again, questioning myself. Am I good enough for any relationship? And I think that's where um, the narcissist really can keep you under their thumb way at the bottom because you're like climbing out, help, help. Like, how am I, how can I get out of this? And then you're now just so trained to go to that front door to find the entrance to the back party. And their game, that was their process to keep you stuck. And you are playing their game. Exactly. Absolutely. You are playing their game. Yeah. I am telling teaching people how to change the rules. Yeah. Right. Like why why does the toxic person get to make up all the rules? Exactly. Right. Let's just take a look, get extremely clear on what problem we're trying to solve. Uh, another way this worked out is there was a a mother and she was trying to get her ex to meet her before um, school, before the first day of school with her child, okay? So, and she was locked in that, it's so unfair, my ex won't let me see the child before the first day of first grade or whatever it was, okay? Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, so what problem are you trying to solve? I think she was really confused. I said, okay, I think the problem you're trying to solve is making sure you're a part of your child's memory on the first day of school, that your child knows that you love them, that you feel like a part of things. Is that, is you want to imprint yourself in the memory of the first day of school? Is that what problem you're trying to solve? She goes, yes, that's what I want, right? I said, okay, so what, how can we go around the house on this? And um, I think she had left kind of not ex not bashed him to the teacher but said you know I, I I'm not gonna be there the first day of school but I want to make sure my children know how special they are to me can I leave this little gift with you the teacher and so when the child comes in the first day the teacher says your mother left something special for you because she loves you and she set that on the child's desk and the child felt loved the mother was a part of everything um, and I said you can also have a first grade party you know, yeah. a different day, like, hey, yeah. let's go to a special event, let's pick out a special outfit, let's pick out a, you know, whatever it is, if the problem to solve is being a part of that memory and a part of that day, not getting your ex to tell you what time they're going to be at the school. Exactly. Yes, that is brilliant. I love that example that you work through with your client. It makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. And that's what the real desire is right? Unless both people are narcissists and then it's kind of like that constant, right? That would be a whole nother thing, yeah. but it's, it's, yeah, it's really, it's really, that is what's important. I think that is really what you want to look at too, like the solution and like, what's really important to you in that whole scenario. Like you had said to your client, what do you really want out of this? And it wasn't that she wanted her ex to let her in. She wanted to be a part of that day. That's brilliant. And it's like, it takes those, the, those shifts, right. To really sit back and think for a sec here. Okay. I'm not in the, in the mode of being trained anymore. I'm not in the mode of being groomed anymore. I'm, I'm aware. So now how can I still be a part of this with my solution that actually will bring 
joy to me and my child. Mm -hmm. And I use two co-parenting examples. I've had people use this in frustrating situations about hotel rooms or, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's so useful. It's anytime um, there's a, you, you run into an obstacle that seems like the most obvious thing to do is let this person be the gatekeeper for you, right? Let this person decide if they get to open the door. And it's like, okay, is the problem I'm trying to solve getting this person to agree with me or like me or whatever else? Or is there an around the house solution? Mm. And you have to get super clear, what problem am I trying to solve? Okay, I want my boss to see how hard I'm working. Okay, so I don't necessarily need to see, get my immediate supervisor to show that, right? I can go around the house and find ways to present myself, uh, volunteer for certain leadership opportunities, uh, take a task on that you go around your immediate supervisor, you know, those types of things. I, I use two co-painting examples because those would be hardest to see when we're super right. emotionally involved. Sure. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's useful in so many arenas. It really is. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's a beautiful process. Thank you for that. I'm sure Thank our you. listeners are like taking notes right now. Like I literally have my journal right here that I'm going to take notes after this session <laughs> and remind myself of that process. Um, for anybody who... Do you have like any words of inspiration for anybody who may be in a toxic relationship um, that actually can leave and not deal with that person ever again? Um, you know, they're not. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. Your better. Yeah. If it's a situation that you can shut the door and then really, and sorry to interrupt, but I, I, I hardly ever deal with those people. Like I end up, most of my clients are people where they're really searching through complex problems and complex relationships, you know? So if you, if your life just can be that easy and it's like, you just can shut the door and go to a completely different, you know, house in the around the house example or around the house, um, you know, situation. Oh gosh, I'm so jealous of you. Like I am literally jealous of your life. And I have a lot of, I can give you a list of other people. I won't obviously for privacy reasons, who would be really jealous that you had that opportunity and that choice. And there's some other funny memes uh, where it's like, look at the before and after, right? And, but it's true. If you start to look in before and afters and people will say, this is what I looked like within this relationship. Look how tired I was. Look how dead I looked. Look at the pain in my eyes. And then after I, I came alive, I felt alive. I, people liked me, you know, mm -hmm. so that is a very easy answer, Renee. Some of the answers I've had to come up with in my life are very um, difficult because dealing with complex situations, but golly, the grass is greener on, on the other side and it feels good on the other side. Yes. Yes. Do you, um, I'm also curious too, do you happen to see when you hear and learn about the narcissistic abusive person in the relationship, do you um, ever give your thoughts or time to like, if they are also were, if they were raised by narcissists, like, or basically what I'm trying to say is like, do they just, are they just born out of nowhere or is it learned behavior? 
Great question and a question I'm obsessed with. So what is most interesting to me in this current conversation is twin studies or people who are adopted at birth. Um, and there are so many, so much research saying that if you take someone out of their birth home, they are, they're going to share more similarities with their birth parents than the parents they were raised in. Mm-hmm. Like separated twins have similar personalities or similar tastes or similar interests, similar intellect. And so in the conversation of nature, nurture, nature versus nurture, you know, are narcissists formed or are they made? Um, we kind of get this idea in our head that, oh, well, something bad must have happened to them for them to turn out this way. Okay. But there's lots of people who've been through bad things and some of them turn into healers and therapists and coaches. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, this, this happened to me that was bad. So I want to put extra amount of good into the world and loving and good goodness and kindness. And you especially see this with people who are empaths, you know, because you'll see, oh, my parents were toxic. And then I ended up in this toxic situation. And I'm like, okay, let's just take a second. Because now you're telling me that you feel sorry for them because they had a hard childhood and then they turned out really mean and abusive and terrible and controlling. So you had a bad childhood and you ended up extra kind, you know, people pleasing, extra affectionate, but they ended up in a bad situation and ended up mean and controlling. So, so we, we have to take another look at this. Yeah. Right. Because if every, everyone's not turning out the same, if it's like, oh, good home. Oh, they turn out to be great people. Bad home, they turn out to be toxic. That, that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am most interested in that conversation, seeing these like separated twin studies and these people who are getting adopted and, and why are they not sharing more characteristics with their, the environment that they are in versus their, and there's just a really, 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 really strong genetic um part and we think people could inherit being musical or inherit being athletic well can you inherit being selfish Mm. I say yes yeah right it Mm -hmm. seems mean it's a really awkward conversation (laughs) and um I, I wish it weren't true I wish I was doing something completely different. I wish toxic people didn't exist. They didn't hurt people that we weren't having to have these hard conversations. And I used to think that way. You know, I was just like, everybody's good. Everybody's nice. Everybody's loving. That was all. You definitely need to read the book then because that's what it's about, you know, and how we get like screwed over because our eyes aren't opened and I can no longer out of integrity not open my own eyes and do everything I can. You can obviously tell how passionate I am about it, but do everything I can to help other people open their eyes. Um, we just don't want to see it. I didn't want to see it. I get it. It's it's not fun. I right. understand it's not fun. Yeah. It's easier to think, can't we all just get along and everybody's nice? I don't want to have to worry about it. Yeah, me neither. I don't want to worry about it either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I want to keep people safe more than I don't, I'm more interested in keeping people safe than I am in not dealing with hard things. For sure. Yeah. And that's definitely a very important part to this conversation too. Like being safe 
as you proceed forward in that relationship, if you can't just let it go anywhere and, Mm -hmm. you know, protecting yourself, like your mindset, your emotions, your energy, and obviously physically. And I know, and I've, I've had people in my life who went through relationships like this that were married and out of nowhere, they started physically abusing them and they weren't even just married. There were other people, you know, in, in different stages of their relationships as well. And that is one thing for sure that, you know, cause we've all heard those stories of like those really traumatic stories of, you know, even if I'm sure it's like on a couple shows right now on TV, if anyone's like, whoa, that, and it really does happen. So I like how you said, if you're a person who like can flee the scene, like just be done, close that door. Like that's, you know, I've never necessarily, I've mainly heard those types of relationships, like in um, like boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, or partnership kind of. Yeah. May I tell you something, a story that I think will help your people who, especially in the safety conversation, because you were talking about the safety conversation. And I, a lot of people, if they are in a toxic situation, again, this could be work, whoever, uh, I call it a toxic person encounter because toxic relationship seems like it's always romantic and, you know, protect your kids from child abuse. I want to protect you know, us from me too, you know, issues with me too, right? There's so, this is so big, right? Um, Because I see a lot of people and they have a toxic person encounter and they go to their girlfriends for advice or maybe even a therapist for advice or they go to somebody and they say, you're just too much of a doormat. You shouldn't put up with that. You should have better boundaries and then this wouldn't have happened to you. Mm. I hear that all the time which can be a huge safety concern. And let me tell you why. Um, I'm sure you've heard the story of the three little pigs. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you have one little pig made straw boundaries and the big bad wolf huffed and puffed and blew it down. Then another little pig had stick boundaries and the big bad wolf huffed and he puffed and he blew it back down. Then you have another little pig with brick boundaries. Okay. So that's a pig that kept himself safe. And I think the other two little pigs ran in and kept himself safe there. So what we do, what we miss is the brick boundaries did not change the big bad wolf's behavior. Mm. Okay. And boundaries are about protecting pigs, not changing wolves. Mm. Yes. Okay. And that can be an issue with victim blaming. You know, if somebody had said, you know, well, if you had just stood up for yourself, this wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. Or even when you're leaving, it's like the answer is standing up for yourself. And again, this is why I go back to like around the house or strategies or problem solving. Like, let's do what works, not what we wish would work. Yes, yes. Right? Um, and kind of take that extra step and like, let's really, really look at this because I see a lot of women trying to save relationships and they're like, okay, I have put up with his crap long enough. I'm going to have boundaries now and we're going to like make it work. And I'm like, okay, that Mm -hmm. seems, I mean, a really dangerous situation, right? Because, um, when the big bad wolf, we kind of have this assumption in our head, like, okay, I'm going to have boundaries. And then the big bubbles will be like, oh my gosh, that's so great. You stood right. up for your 
equal. And now we're like more equals and I'm going to get my way less. Yeah. And I used to manipulate you and trick you and scare you, but now I can't. And so I'm going to change my, I've been selfish for 43 years, oh. but not anymore because you got boundaries. So yes. now I'm going to be a lap dog instead of a big bad wolf. And I, I, I kind of joke and make it silly because that's what I try to do with this topic. Yeah. But really, this is like, could be a life and death situation yes. Yes. in these things. And so when someone's giving you the advice of just stand up for yourself or have boundaries, uh, I just want to give some more context into that. Yes. And, and the solution to the big bad wolf is getting away from the big bad wolf. Right. Or having those break boundaries to keep them out. Yes. Yes. Not building such a brick house that the, that the, you know, big bad wolf then says, oh, well, you're, you became such a good house builder that now we can have a healthy, happy relationship. Right. It's not going to happen. No. And I so appreciate you saying that because I know that there's a lot of empaths who follow this channel, including myself. And we always want to believe that somebody can change our second chances or all these different ideas in our mind that are like based in fairy tale land oftentimes, because we're like, you know, we, we want the best for everybody. Right. But it's like, you are so right when you nailed it in that whole scenario, like the big bad wolf doesn't say, oh my gosh, like, oh, she's got all these strong boundaries. Now, of course I'm going to be a different person. Like that doesn't exist exactly what you said. And I love that you shared that because it's such an obvious one to see, especially when you take yourself out of the picture and watch the whole scenario of the, of the Three Little Pigs story. And that was amazing. Thank you so, so much for that. That really lands. And, and it's not even our responsibility. I've, I've had this conversation before. It's not our responsibility to be changing anybody else either. So you, if you don't have to deal with that person, you don't have to have them in your life. And if they are in your life, then you create that brick house and you honor yourself and your empowerment and keep yourself safe and strong and happy and find out what the solution can be if there's another you know asset in the way whether it's a child business you know career whatever it is and reputation you know um it big bad wolves are scary <laughs> i mean you know and as as you said it i i know i'm like very direct and i you know have like funny examples and stuff, but like, I want to hug every single em empath listener and just say, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. I know the big bad wolf is also very sexy. I am so sorry. And he's made you feel terrible about yourself or the big bad wolf's a boss who's dangling a promotion in front of you or the big bad wolf's your mother. I'm yeah. so sorry. Like I get it. I'm so sorry. I cannot change toxic people. Right. I can only figure out these crazy strategies and stuff yeah. to, to help us uh, have wonderful lives after them. Absolutely. So that completely leads right into where can we find you? Because I know that I'm following you on your channels. Um, I know that you provide this as a service in your business. So if anybody feels activated and feels ready to lean in, where can they find you? They can find me at my website, sarahkramsey.com. And there's definitely information about there. They can get the free gift and join my email list. Um, I have the Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship. I am, if you Google the words, one of the easiest ways to remember is um, toxic person proof. So we would like 
we kind of want our you know, people to be bulletproof so they can't like get hurt by bullets. And so toxic person proof is the same way. It's because the, the bullets do exist. Toxic yeah. people do exist. I wish things were different. We just got to protect ourselves, right? And um, so having that sense of um, these strategies and problem-solving strategies and thinking strategies to help us become toxic person proof. So they can check out, if they do that, they're going to see my podcast, my Instagram, my book, all this, all this good stuff. Yes. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here. You are so filled with wisdom and I'm so excited to continue to lean into your practice and learning about you and your, you know, newsletter and everything. And I just, I really commend you for what you do in the world and how you help people out of these situations and really help them empower themselves again. And it's really, really miraculous work. And for somebody who has been there, it's really amazing to see a leader like you be able to show people the way out. So thank you so much for what you do for everybody. It's amazing. Thank you for having me and helping spread some of these strategies and these messages because they really can be life-saving either physically, emotionally, um, or saving, you know, the next generation. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for that. Okay, everyone. So definitely go check out Sarah's website and find her on all of our social media. Definitely go in and check out that book if you're feeling called toward it. And Toxic Person Proof, if you put it in Google, you're going to find her and what she also has to say after this podcast. So many blessings to each and every single one of you. Thank you again, Sarah, for being here. And the light of me honors the light within each and every single one of you. Namaste. Mm-hmm. <laughs>